This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Now move into the time of scripture reading. Today's passage is Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 22. The passage will be displayed on screen. In the day when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Epaphathus from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there for about ten years, both of them both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you find rest in in the homes of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Oprah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, The whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Lord Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. 
Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. This is the word of the Lord. I will now invite Nick to give us today's sermon. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, I, I know that it's, it's a bit hard for, for, for some of us to come uh, because of the rain. Uh, but uh, since you're here, uh, let's pay our full attention to God's word. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Make us hungry for this heavenly bread. May it nourish us today in the ways of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. I, when I was young, I used to read game books. So if you don't know, game books are books where you read a paragraph, and then at the, at the end of the paragraph, you have two choices. Uh, then you turn to the section based on uh, what choice you make. So like, or to fight the monster, turn to page section 15. To put the monster to sleep with a lullaby, turn to section 33. Then whatever, whatever you choose, whatever, uh, yeah, whatever you choose, uh, will have a different consequence. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But we make choices every day. What to eat, what to wear. We also make important choices. What to study, where to work, who to marry. And like my game books, uh, these choices have consequences. Some consequences are small, some trap us and continue to hurt us. So we choose well to avoid those bad consequences. Now today we are starting our series in the book of Ruth. And in Ruth chapter 1, uh, verse 1, people have chosen life apart from God. So because they are chosen this way, they are suffering the consequences. The book of Ruth then zooms in on one family. They also make poor choices while leaving them destitute. These survivors are broken, hopeless, now, question through this book is, can they be saved? Can they be saved after their bad choice? Because if they can, then there's hope for Israel who have made bad choices. And if there's hope for Israel who have made bad choices, then there's hope for you and I. You see, you and I have made wrong choices, have made bad choices about God in our lives. Maybe we are in open rebellion against the Lord. Maybe we indulge in secret sins and no one can see. So can we, the question the book of Ruth is asking is also for us, can we be saved after our bad choices? The book's answer is, yes, you can. Your answer begins in Ruth chapter 1. It begins with knowing that there is no better choice outside the Lord or there is no good apart from the Lord. So we're looking, at, we're looking at this and asking three questions in Ruth 1. So first, is there good in Israel in Moab? Is there any good for Moab in Israel? And is there any good for Naomi in Israel? First, is there any good for Israel in Moab? Let's look at Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. Now this was a time when judges ruled, uh, they led God's people. Now this time of the judges is actually a very dark time in Israel's history. 
So what happened? This was the time that people kept sinning against God and God kept sending judges to save his people. Okay, so this is what uh, the, the book of Judges says. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of their hands of the, these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who have been obedient to the Lord's commands. So the Lord's people didn't obey the Lord. Instead, they worshipped other gods. And the consequence? God let Israel suffer. Or just like the famine that we see in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. The famine, this famine uh, is a famine, is one of the consequences for disobeying God. Now, famine is life threatening. You see, your crops failed for one or two seasons, then you run out of food. Your family would starve, your family would die. It's not Israel's solution. The right thing for Israel to do would have been to U-turn, to repent, to turn back to God. But what we see in verse 2 is this man, what did he do? He went away. This man, Elimelech from Bethlehem, he chose to turn away from Israel. He chose to turn away from where the Lord was. He chose to go to Moab. Okay, so Bethlehem means uh, house of bread. Okay, so this, the people there, during that time, they ate bread as their staple. Okay, but, so rice for us is our staple. So uh, when your friends ask you, they're asking, they not asking you whether you ate rice or not. They're actually asking you whether you ate, you ate food or not. So in, in the book of Ruth, in, in chapter 1, in Bethlehem, in the house of bread, there should be lots and lots of bread. But there was no bread. So this man, Elimelech, leaves Bethlehem and goes to, he turns away from this house of no bread, and maybe he thinks, there's not good for, there's no good for me in Israel. But maybe, just maybe, there is good for me in Moab. Now Moab ha- has a good land, good rainfall for growing crops. So there should be enough land for him to grow his crops for him, for his family. But Moab, friends, was a bad, bad choice. You see, what's the consequence of, what's the consequence of uh, Elimelech's choice after he left this house of bread to the house of no bread to go to Moab? Okay, there we go. In verse 3, Elimelech died. And his, son, his, his wife was left with the two sons. Now the two sons, Malon and Kilion, survived longer. Then they married the Moabite woman, Opa and Ruth. But the consequences of that bad choice lingered. After 10 years, in verse 5, both sons died. Moab wasn't good for the two sons. Okay, so all the men died. Naomi was left with two daughters-in-laws. Now, in today's world, these three women uh, could easily find work to su- support themselves. Maybe I don't know, a sign up for a course with skills future and, and, and get a better job. But in those days, it was dangerous for women to work. Now, they could be attacked. They could be sexually harassed uh, in the fields. And we'll see, we'll see a hint of that in chapter 2. So Naomi, Opa, and Ruth, they couldn't find work in Moab. 
outside the Lord's land. So no work means no food. They will starve. They will die. It's like the famine chased them from Israel all the way to Moab. So Moab is like this house of death for them. They already claimed Elimelech, Malon, Kilion. Now you're snapping its jaws, is the jaws of death at Naomi, Opa, and Ruth. So is there good in Mo- for Israel in Moab? No, there is no good. And that's a lesson for us here, because for all of us, we are always faced with a choice, a choice to follow Jesus or walk away from Jesus. Or this week, a grab driver told me that he has no time for religion. I asked him, why? Why don't you have time? He says, because he needs to keep driving or every day, long hours, so that to keep earning money now while he's still young. He chose life apart from Jesus. He thought that the outcome of having money, the consequence of having money is better than Jesus. For him, being apart from Jesus is better. But friends, the consequence that we will find when we want to live life apart from Jesus is that there is no eternal life. There is only the house of death. So there is no good for Israel in Moab. But the the story is about to change. So in verse 6, we see, let me read for us. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Well, that's good news. The Lord has reversed the deadly famine uh, and brought bread. So now, there is bread in the house of bread. And with this bread, that means there is life. With bread, there is no more starving people. So the good Lord brought life, brought salvation to a people living in starvation, living in darkness. But Naomi, from the house of death, she turns back. She turns back from the house of death to the house of bread. And we see in verse 6, 7, they are are going on their way, they are on the journey. But on the road, it suddenly occurred to Naomi. Is there good for Moab in Israel? Will the Moabites, Opa and Ruth, will they find good in Israel? Or will they be rejected by the Israelites? You see, this is what uh, God said, this is what Moses said in his word. Uh, sorry, this is what Moses said in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, talking about what God thinks about the people. No Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even a tenth generation. For they did not come to meet you with bread and water on your way when you came out of Egypt. And they hired Balaam, son of Beor, from Pithor, in Aram Naharaim, to pronounce a curse on you. However, the Lord your God will not listen to Balaam and turn the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them as long as you live. So based on this passage, Opa and Ruth will be rejected as foreigners, as enemies. Now in Israel's history, uh, Israel wanted to pass by, pass through the land of Moab to get to the promised land. 
but Moab refused. And Moab even tried to get people to curse uh, Israel. Um, that, that failed. So Moab had another, had another strategy. Moab, Moab sent their women to seduce Israel and, just, and, and got them to worship idols. And because of the, they, they slept with these with Moabite women, uh, because they worship idols, the Lord sent the plague on them, and 24,000 people died. So Moab is the enemy. And their, and their woman, deadly. Now, Naomi might be able to get some food for herself or her relatives. But what about the Moabites, Opal and Ruth? Who will marry them? Who will support them? Let's look at what Naomi says in verse 8. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will not go we will go back with you to your go back with you to your people. But Naomi thought there is no good. No good for Moab in Israel. So Opa and Ruth could find hus- could, could go back to Moab to find husbands, but you can't find husbands in Israel. And Naomi even asked the Lord to bless them in Moab to find husbands. Away from the Lord away from the Lord's people. But Opa and Ruth said no. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 11, the Opa shows them why she thinks there is no husband for them uh, in Israel. Okay, so look at verse 11. Verse 11 13. You see, what does she say? What reason does she give? But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who will become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Now, Naomi was thinking of this uh, this provision in the Old Testament called a, the technical term is a Leverite marriage. So where does the brother, or, so where, the, where a man dies, uh, and he dies with no children, the man's brother uh, must marry the widow and, and give birth to children. And with the first son will belong to the older brother, the, and we will inherit the older brother's inheritance. The other sons will belong to the second brother. So Naomi thought that she is supposed to, uh, to, to, have, to have this uh, Leverite marriage to provide for Opa and for Ruth. That means she will need to give birth to sons. But she's too old to get married. No, no one would want to marry her. And she says even if she, even if she got married that day and she conceived that night, the, the, the two women couldn't wait. The two women would have to wait you know, another 20 years for the, the boys to grow up for them to marry. Let's say that the woman, they were, let's say they were 30 years old. 20 years later, they will be 50. No one will wait so long. The, the, the widows would not wait so long. So Opa, she found Naomi's logic logical. So verse 14, at this they wept aloud. Then Opa kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. 
Now this return to Moab isn't just a physical relocation, like migrating from Singapore to somewhere else to find work. Opa returned to her people, returned to her gods. It's as if I said to all of you today, don't follow Jesus. Don't come to church next week. Don't go for Bible studies. Don't go for youth. Don't go for uh, children's ministry. Why? Because you need to stay home. You need to, you need to work hard to get the grades. You need to work hard to close the deal. If not, you don't need, if you don't want to work hard, well, fine. You can go home and relax. Follow the gods of the world because they will provide for you. They will make life good for you. There's only suffering for, with Jesus. But sadly, some people believe that and only focus on this life. So Naomi, so Naomi was also thinking about this and she was giving Ruth and Opa those kind of reasons. It's all about this life. Opa left Naomi for her people, for her gods, for this life. But Ruth clung on to Naomi. So verse 15, uh, we see Naomi knew that their people, their gods would be attractive to Opa and, and Ruth. This, this was the life they had. This was the air they breathed, the religion they grew up in. This was what, and this was what Opa said yes to. Verse 15, Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. How did Ruth reply? Look at verse 16. What did she say? But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you will go, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Ruth truly loved Naomi. But this love in this passage is greater than the love between a mother and a daughter-in-law. See, what makes this love so great is what she says, it's the heart of what she says in the middle. Your people will be my people, your God will be my God. Now, if you look at, if you look at what Naomi is thinking in the passage, you look at the screen here, Naomi was like the reverse evangelist. See, she, she should have told Ruth to follow the Lord. Instead, Naomi, the reverse evangelist, tells Ruth to go back to her people, go back to her gods. But Ruth said, those people, those gods, they're not her people, not her gods. Naomi's people is, is Ruth's people. Naomi's God is Ruth's God. And it's not just that. See, Ruth even calls upon the personal name of the Lord. See, may the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, deal with me. So if you see the words capital L-O-R-D in English, it's always referring to the Lord's personal name. And this personal name is not for the nations to use. This personal name is for Israel to use. So this was the name that God declared in Exodus 34, verse 6 and 7. Let me see if I have that. Oh, yeah, there we, there we go. Yes. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, 
forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Ruth believed in this Lord who forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin, who will show compassion, who will forgive and show compassion to an undeserving Israelite. So when she uses the name of the Lord, she's calling on the Lord as her God. Can okay, I give you an example? So in case you didn't know, uh, my name is Nick. All of you call me Nick. Except for three people, my three children. They call me Daddy. None of you do that. None of you, now we should do that. Okay. <laughs> so we're in the same way when Ruth uses, he takes on uh, uh, the Lord's personal name. She's saying, this Lord is my Lord, is my God. Ruth, her reason is that her people, as Israel, her God is the Lord. So where, Ruth, where Naomi saw no future for Ruth, where Naomi saw rife racism against Ruth, Ruth saw with the eyes of faith that the Lord will protect her, the Lord will care for her, because the Lord is good. The Ruth, the Moabite, had more faith in the Lord than Naomi the Israelite. So, what have you, so there is good for Moab in Israel. So what have you seen so far? Is there good for Israel in Moab? No. Moab turns out to be the house of death for God's people. But is there good for Moab in Israel? Naomi said no. Ruth says yes. So the Lord let Ruth down. Is that good for Ruth in Israel? Now, the rest of the book will give us the answer. But what we have in the rest of the chapter is a hint of what is to come. You see, in this, what, what Ruth just did is she united herself with Naomi. So Naomi and Ruth's fates, their futures are all intertwined. So if you want to know whether there's good for Ruth in Israel, we need to know, is there good for Naomi in Israel? If there's good for Naomi in Israel, then there's also good for Ruth in Israel. So verse 19 shows the woman coming back, back to the house of bread. So the woman in the house of bread all get excited to see a familiar face from years ago. So verse 19. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, house of bread, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Later, you can, you can check with uh, Jeremy and Sarah's daughter, Naomi. But Naomi's name means pleasant. pleasant. So imagine, so the two women, uh, they see Naomi and Ruth coming back, and then they point to Naomi, who they haven't seen in years, and they say, isn't that Madam Pleasant? They can almost sense their, their double meaning in their happiness. I mean, it, you will see something like, isn't it pleasant? That Madam Pleasant is back with us? How does Madam Pleasant feel? Verse 20. Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Madam Pleasant has brought a bitter 
taste this sweet house of bread. See, Mara here means bitter. So, Naomi, so, this, so she's saying, don't call me Naomi, don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. She blamed the Lord for suffering, for misery. In verse 21, she said she went away full with her two sons. Oh, sorry, her two sons with her husband. And now the Lord has brought her back empty with all of them dead. So for Naomi, there is no good for her in Israel, in the Lord's land. There's only bitterness. If the Lord brought bitterness to her in Moab, then surely the Lord will bring her more bitterness, more suffering in Israel where he is. There's no good. She thinks there's no good for her in Israel. This was her bitter message, her bitter and poisonous gospel. So each time the woman see her and say, Hi, Madam Bitter, they will be poisoned to think that the Lord is bad, that he brings bitterness. If he brought bitterness to this woman, Madam Bitter, what's stopping him from bringing, from bringing bitterness to me? Naomi's bitter gospel could poison the whole community against the Lord. So is Naomi right? Now she's right to acknowledge that the Lord has authority over her suffering. But her perspective is wrong. She doesn't understand why the Lord allowed their suffering. But th- and thank God, really, that her bitter gospel is wrong. Okay, so Naomi said in verse 21, she went away full with her family. But that wasn't what happened, wasn't it? Her family left Bethlehem, left the house of bread because they were empty, because they had no bread. And that's not all. When they returned, when Naomi returned, was she really empty? No, she didn't return completely empty. Remember who was with her? Ruth. And Naomi didn't know how valuable Ruth would be to her. You see, such that if you, if you turn a, a few pages to chapter 4, verse 15, turn with me to that, and you see how, how much the women value Ruth. What is Ruth's value in verse 15? For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Ruth, this one woman, is better than seven sons. Now, Naomi only had two sons. So the woman said, Ruth is far better than them. She didn't return empty. Last, who brought Naomi back? Verse 21, who did she say brought her back? Verse 21, it's the Lord. The Lord brought her back from the house of death in Moab to the house of bread in Israel, where there is bread, where there is food. Where there is food, there is life. The Lord brought her back to the right place, to the house of bread at the right time. Verse 22, they returned into the house of bread just as the barley harvest was beginning. Just as the raw materials to make bread are available. 
the good Lord knew they were empty when they left Bethlehem. The good Lord knew they were not filled in Moab. So the good Lord brought them back to fill them up in the house of bread. But there is good for Naomi in Israel. Now, but you may say, well, the Lord allowed Naomi's husband and sons to die. Why is that? Now, in our story, imagine if Naomi's husband and sons didn't die. What would happen to Naomi? She would have sunk her roots deep into Moab, where she thinks the Lord is blessing her with abundant food, abundant crops, even with two wonderful daughter-in-laws. Away from the Lord. Away from the Lord's people. But through the death of her husband, through the death of her two sons, the Lord brought her to an end of herself to show her that the world cannot provide. And to, back to him, brought her back to him to trust him, back to his people who will care for her. So the right reaction for Naomi is to return. Not just return back to Israel, but to repent from bitterness. Repent from bitterness to the Lord. To repent. Now, uh, this is obscured in our English translations, but the word, that repeated word that comes up 12 times in chapter 1 is the word repent or return or go back. It's all the same word. So Naomi needs to return, needs to U-turn, needs to turn back from her bitterness against the Lord and to trust the Lord to provide for her, to love the Lord. There is no good apart from the Lord. There's no good for Israel and Moab. There's no good for Moab. And there's good for Moab in Israel. Is there good for Naomi in Israel? Yes, there is even good for Naomi in Israel. Why is that? Because the Lord is good. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, forgives wickedness, rebellion and sin. There's no good outside of Him. If you want good, come to Him. There is forgiveness for all who come to Him, even, the, even for the sin of turning away from the Lord. So for Naomi and for Ruth, there is no good apart from the Lord. And what about for us? For us, there is no good apart from our Lord Jesus. There's no good apart from the Lord Jesus. So in John chapter 6, the Lord Jesus miraculously multiplied physical bread for 5,000 men. And we don't know how many other women and children. And after they were all filled, they ate the bread, the free flow bread, all of them were very full, and they wanted not just bread for that day, but wanted bread, physical bread, for tomorrow, for next month, for next year, for, for all their lives. So they say to Jesus, Sir, they said, always give us this bread. So they wanted to make Jesus their king so that they could have this free flow bread forever. More, to be even more than this house of bread in Bethlehem. To be the kingdom of bread, where they are, all their worldly needs are met, and only wants are met. But in verse 51, Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I give for the life of of the world is my flesh. There are two kinds of bread here. 
physical bread, the living bread from heaven. Jesus is this living bread from heaven. Living bread that gives eternal life. Eternal life so that you and I can live with God forever in closest relationship with God. And Jesus wanted to give them this eternal, eternal life. Not this physical, temporary bread of temporary, worldly life. But the people didn't want that. The people wanted worldly bread. So interestingly, John 666. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Imagine, most of these 5,000 men left Jesus because they thought Jesus was only good if he gave them physical bread, if Jesus met their physical needs, if they had security now, if they had life now. But because Jesus doesn't give this life now, then Jesus is bad. And Jesus turns to his disciples. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Only Jesus has the words that give you eternal life. Life beyond the life now. So if you want eternal life, listen, believe what Jesus says. There's no good outside of him. Where else can you go? Where else can you go? Now this is hard for us. You see, the grass of the world looks greener than the grass of eternity. Maybe you feel that the Lord has let you down. Maybe your relationship has ended in tears. Maybe Pregnancy and in frustration. Maybe marriage, parenthood are worse trials than you expected. Maybe your life is full of pain. Now we should grieve for our pain, for our loss. We should cry out to the Lord. We should lament to God for our pain. But as we suffer, beware of Naomi's bitterness. Bitterness that poisons us with lies that the Lord is bad. Sometimes, just like in, in, in the book of Ruth, the Lord brings, allows pain, allows suffering, bring us to an end of ourselves, to stop trusting ourselves, to stop trusting the systems of the world, to show us that we can't save ourselves. To trust in someone greater. That we may trust in Jesus. So don't let the bad experiences lead you down the bitter road to think that Jesus is bad. Instead, trust that Jesus is good, despite our bad experiences. The eternal life that Jesus offers is much greater than the pain we can feel in, our, in this worldly life. The trust that Jesus has an eternal good purpose for your pain that you cannot see now. And, but all will be revealed in eternity. Now that is why we need to repent. Now, repent means we turn away and we turn towards. So there's wrong repenting like Naomi asking the woman to turn away from the Lord and turn to Moab. But there's right repenting. Like when Ruth and Naomi return to the, to the house of the Lord where the Lord is. 
So for us, we need to turn away from the house of death. Turn away from the world. Turn away from bitterness, thinking the law is bad. Turn towards Jesus. Turn towards Him to love Him now, to trust Him for all your life, now and in the future. There's this children's book that I uh, highly recommend. So in this children's book, this man, uh, Jonathan, was teaching his son. Uh, it's a true story. So this uh, man, Jonathan, uh, taught his son, Ben. I just can't his book. Okay, so here, here's a book. Here's my copy. So uh, it's a question and answer format to teach, teach him about God. So he says, uh, question two, why is the shape of the moon always? Answer, the moon is always round. Question three, what does it mean that the moon is always round? Answer, God is always good. So sometimes the moon looks like a, a banana, sometimes it looks like a, an orange. Sometimes you can't see the moon. But the moon is always round. So this is what the, the boy learns. One day, a doctor came with news that Ben's mother had complications with her pregnancy. Ben's unborn sister didn't make it. So at the funeral, in front of everyone, uh, Jonathan asked his son, uh, what is the shape, for those of you who are nearby, you can see, uh, what is the shape of the moon? Ben, the boy, in front of everyone said, the moon is always round. And he asked the next question, what does it mean that the moon is always round? Ben said, God is always good. Now they grieved. They didn't know why God allowed this pain. But they knew God is always good. Friends, no matter what pain you're going through, remember, the moon is always round. What does that mean? God is always good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we praise you for nourishing us with your words of life. Please use the words of this passage to continue to continue your good work in us until Jesus Christ returns. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.